exploring what it looks like to be the kind of people who, in the world and in the days that we're in, and, you know, we, we see, it's funny, I, I was saying first service, we, uh, Noelle and I were re-watching a show that we had, like, recorded on DVR, and then COVID hit, and it keep, kept recording the, the, the shows, and, and we, we hadn't watched them for, like, a year and a half, and then we go back and we start, we start watching them, and, and it shows the commercials, right? And the commercials, you kind of start watching the show and then realize that the commercials are from a year and a half ago. And every single commercial was a car commercial saying, in these unprecedented times, you need a car. Did anyone, did anyone ever notice that? Like, in these, uh, um, you know, in these unprecedented times, we're here for you. Whatever you need, um, you can zoom in and buy a car. It's like, like, I don't need a car during a pandemic. Like, that is not what I need. And it was just funny. I don't know. That was just a bonus for you. Um, but, like, the truth is, is, like, in the times that we're in, but also in the times that we were in, and the times that we will be in, we need to be, as the people of God, we are called to be those whose roots go deep, so that as winds and rain and storms and pressure and discouragement and difficulties, as they all come, that we are not deterred. Not only that, we are not even discouraged because we know that our roots go deep. And... If anything that we've been seeing over this last year, we've been asking these questions like, God, how do I withstand the pressure of these times? And how do we know what God's saying? And how do we get through it? Right? Anyone ever asked a question like that? Like, what am I supposed to do right now? How is this? Like, what is life even? Like, what is existence right now? Is, are we going to wake up from a dream and it's going to be 2019? And, and I will say, if it is, I am so down for that. I'm absolutely down to just wake up in 2019 and be like, maybe we can undo, like, the whole, you know, thing. But, but it, it, reality is we can't. But if we're not careful, though, we'll be out of this one and into the next one, and we'll keep asking the same wrong question, which is, how do I get through now? I want to step back today and ask a bigger question. How do I make it for the long haul? This is the question that we ought to be asking is, how do we make it for the long haul? Not just how do I make it through this season, but how do I come out of the next 50 seasons and still be standing, still be married, still love my kids, have my kids still love me, have my wife still love me, still be following Jesus, still be serving the church, still be preaching the same gospel, still be the kind of person who people want to be around, still be humble, still be growing, still be learning, still be nice, still loving Jesus and still be really ridiculously good looking. That was a Zoolander reference. It didn't work. Really, really ridiculously good looking. Okay. But it's like, if that's what, I, I, want, I want people to say that. Like, when they say, how's Taylor? Ah, he's still married. Still serving God. Still preaching Jesus. Still building the church. Like, I don't, I don't I'm not interested in how do I stay relevant Right now, and stay not dead, right now, I want to get roots that go deep, that even though I might seem boring right now, that I'll have a life worth envying 50 years from now. I don't need short term. I'm here long term. I'm playing the long game. And, and if there's a question that we ought to be asking, and we should have been asking years ago, and we should have asked all last year, and we should ask next year, and we should ask right now is, how do I make it for the long haul? 
I think in this passage here, David has a recipe that I think if we can understand it, that we will know what it takes to make it for the long haul. Psalm 119 and verse 9, and this is a famous book of, of the Bible. I wouldn't recommend reading it all at once. It's a really long one, and it kind of says the same thing over and over and over, which is really great. You know, I don't know if you grew up in church, and you, or if you grew up on Amy Grant, and you would sing. You're not, it's not funny. Amy Grant's amazing. <laughs> Amy Grant is amazing. Okay. Noel sings baby, baby, you know, every night to me. You put my heart in motion. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's true. She just can't help it. She's like, Taylor, you put my heart in motion. And I sure do. But thy, you know, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Hey, give it up for yourselves. That was great. That was really great. <laughs> Like, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And this whole passage, this whole book, this whole, this whole chapter is exploring the power of God's word and how it is a lamp unto my feet right now and a light unto my path as I look ahead. And I want to read this verse in Psalm 119 and verse 9. And this is King David, and he's worshiping and singing and dialoguing and meditating on God's word. And he's, he's having this interaction with God. And he's identifying in this moment, he's saying, I, how can a young man, a young woman, how can, how can I as a young man, how can I keep my way pure? How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart, I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. I have treasured your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I want to speak on this idea for the next few minutes, a long journey on an empty tank. A long journey on an empty tank. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, and uh, let's, let's believe that God's going to speak to us today as we put our phones on silent. God, we thank you so much. That was a joke. I'm so sorry. Um, God, we thank you that you're speaking to us, that you love us, that you're moving in, in our midst, and that the best days are ahead. But that doesn't mean the easiest days are ahead. May we be people that, whether it's dark or bright, that our roots go deep and they transcend any season that we are in, that we would be the people of God that bear fruit in every season that the world would see, that is where I go to find life. May that be us, in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Uh, there are, in my opinion, uh, two types of people in this world. Just two, not three, just two. There are the kind of people that when you're driving and your gas light goes on, you grab your steering wheel and you rip it to the right and you pull into the nearest gas station because you're afraid that you might run out of gas. This is my wife. The gas gauge goes on and she starts shaking and sweating. Taylor, we're going to die. Get into the gas station now. We, not, we might not make it. And I'm like, yo, we've got 80 miles ahead. Like, you got two weeks on this thing. We're fine. And that's the other kind of person. That's me. I'm like, I'm the kind of person who it's like it's on E. I'm like, I, I think I can make it two weeks, at least a week and a half. And I drive it until it shakes and it starts wheezing like it's my car's got asthma. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, hey, fill me up, please. Like, I love you too. Like, but, you know, I need some gas to run, you know. And a couple weeks ago, no, a couple, a couple years ago, I'm, get, I'm driving home at night and, and, and I, my, my gas had been on E for a while. 
And, and I'm on my way home, and I notice it's really low. And I know I'm kind of, I'm on, I'm about to go over that threshold. You know what I mean? And so I'm, I'm a minute from my house. I pass a gas station. I'm like, I could get it right now, or I could go home. And I could remember in the morning to get gas before I leave. And so, of course, I made the, the proper decision, which is go home and think about it later. So I go home. I go to bed. I wake up early in the morning. Just so happens I'm meeting uh, for coffee with a youth leader early in the morning. So I get up, get into my car, and it is not on my mind. And so I turn my car on. I back out of my driveway. I drive down the road. I go to the coffee shop. Pull into the coffee shop, into the parking space. And the parking space on this, up against the, the, the park, it's a small parking lot up against the, the coffee shop, and it's on a decline, right? So you pull into the spot, and I, I, I drive a stick shift up until last week when I got a new car, because mine, anyways, we won't get into that. I, I'm mourning the loss of my, my little German car, and, and, and so I pull in, and, and I, I, I pull into the spot, and right before I turn off the ignition, my car starts to shake as if it's, as if it's saying, bye. And, and I think, oh, it's just a German car. This is what cars do. And so I go into the coffee shop. I don't think another thought. I go get my coffee. I meet with the guy. We have fun. And it's an hour and a half later, I get out. I'm ready to go to work. And so I get into the car, start the car, but back out of the spot. And as I back out of the spot, just far enough to where two or three guys probably wouldn't be enough to be able to push it back up that little hill into the spot. So I pull out, and my car dies right in the middle of the parking lot, and there's nowhere for me to push it. So I'm just literally in the lane where cars would drive in this parking lot. And so I'm there. And I, I'm like, why is my car dying? And I keep starting it up, and it would start up and die within a, literally a split second. I do it two or three times, and it takes me a few minutes to realize, oh, yeah, there's no gas. So I run inside. I'm like, hey, coffee shop people, um, I, can I borrow a cup? My car's out there. It's dead, but don't worry. I'm going to run across the street with this cup. I'm going to get some gas. I'm going to fill it up, and I'll be just fine. I'll be out of your hair in no time. But if anyone's wondering, I'm going to put a note on my windshield, say, I forgot gas, okay? And so I get the cup, I walk across the street to the gas station, and I, I, I spend about $1.15 on some gas. That's about all I can get. I fill up the cup, and I walk across the street, spilling the, the, the gas all over my hand, and I take a pen from my backpack and open up the little thing so I can pour the gas in, and I pour the gas in. It takes me a couple minutes, and I wait for it to get in there. I try and start it up, nothing. So I'm like, okay, I need a little bit more gas than like, uh, you know, an eighth of a, of a gallon. And so I go across the street again. I get a little bit more. I fill up a little bit more gas. I walk back over. I didn't think to get, like, get multiple cups, but just work with me. So I get, I get the cup. I go back and put a little bit more gas in it. And, and, and I, I, I go to start up the car, nothing. I'm like, okay, I need some more. And so I go across the street again. And as I go to put my card in, it, the, this lady runs out. She's like, no, 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 stop. I said, what? She's like, you can't fill up here anymore. Well, I'm, and I'm like, okay, well, first of all, I'm not filling up. I'm, I've spent like two bucks here so far. Like, so she's like, you're spilling gas everywhere, which I was. But I'm like, it's a gas station. It's what you do. But she's like, you got to go somewhere else. No more filling up for you. I said, for real, my car's dead. I just need a little bit more. She said, no, you cannot put any more gas in that cup. I won't let you. No joke. This is real. So she's like, you can go somewhere else and spill gas on their floor. And I'm like, okay, I will. So I go across the street to the other gas station, get a little bit more gas, and I walk across the street. I go back to my car. I put the gas in. At this point, there's probably a gallon worth, maybe, maybe a half gallon. And so I go to start up the car, nothing. 
And so I'm like, okay, this is getting frustrating. This is taking me like an hour so far. So I walk a few minutes over to the hardware store. I go, and do you guys have any gas tanks? They're like, yeah, we're out of the small ones, though we only have like the 20-gallon ones. <laughs> and so I'm like, I got to buy a gas tank that I, or a gas can that I don't need. And I put like 10 bucks in it, and I walk over to the other gas station, and I'm like, I'm like looking with hate in my heart like, I'm about to spend 12 bucks here, and you're not getting a dime of it. So I, I put gas in there, and I walk across the street, and I put the gas in, and I wait a few minutes. I start it up, nothing, start it up, nothing, start it up, nothing, start it up, and finally it goes. And so I'm driving down the road just humiliated after spending like two hours not driving with a smelly gas tank in my back, the back of my car, because I'm not going to leave it. I just spent 20 bucks on it. And I'm driving down the road, and I call Noelle. I was like, you won't guess what happened. She's like, I will guess what happened, and I think it's funny. You deserved it. <laughs> and I'm like, I love you too. But she said what she has said maybe at least several times throughout our 13 years of marriage. <laughs> Stop it. Get out of here. She said, Taylor, when your light goes on, it means you're supposed to put gas in it. And I said, no, it doesn't. That's a warning that eventually, maybe down the road, you might need a little bit. That's what the gaslight means. Is anybody else like me? Can I see a show of hands? <laughs> Thank you. Some division here between spouses, right? <laughs> and she's like, Taylor, when the light goes on, that means... You can still drive, but you're getting to the point where eventually you won't be able to anymore. And I had a revelation on this day. Is you can run on fumes until you can't. You can drive with an empty tank until you can't. You can live vicariously through the preaching and or leadership and or accountability of somebody else until you are racked with temptation on your own by yourself in the dark and all you have is what is already deep down inside of you and when you reach and find nothing, you find yourself, oh no, I thought I could run on fumes. I thought I could live Sunday to Sunday. I thought I could live with somebody else checking in on me and keeping me accountable and making sure that they are managing my walk with God. I thought I could live that way. And we find ourselves having run on fumes until we can no longer run on fumes. And we wish we would have filled up a little bit sooner when we saw the warning signs. Hey, I know you're good right now, but you're not going to be good for much longer. You need to fill up. And today we are seeing a failure at a systemic level play out before our eyes. And what we are seeing is we're seeing Christian after Christian hit a hard stretch in their journey, and they reach into their tank to find nothing but fumes. You got person after person in the ditch. You got believer after believer finding themselves giving up on God without even a struggle. You got dad after dad, mom after mom, giving up and losing the influence on their family. You have marriage after marriage that are often ending unnecessarily. You've got Leader after leader getting derailed and pulling as many people down with them as they can. And do you know what it is? All it is, is it's an empty tank. And what is happening is we come to a stretch in the road that we did not anticipate. And it's got wines and it's got, it's got a, an endlessness to it. And we, we find ourselves, oh no, okay, what do I have? 
oh no, I'm, I'm empty. I'm seeing a crisis of an empty tank. But this is what I love. Because David here in this passage gives us a remedy. Let's read it. He, he says this. It's David praying. He's, he's having this dialogue with God, right? And he says, how can a young man keep his way pure? And he's referring in this moment to himself. Now, you might be saying, Taylor, I've been following Jesus for 50 years. Don't call me young. First of all, it's a state of mind. That's why I'm 36, but I feel like I'm 26, okay? Thank you. Some of you are saying, you're, you're, I, there's no way you're past 30. But you can pull out of this that, that young person doesn't necessarily mean young in age. It just means that you have days ahead of you. Okay? That there's, there's this, I have this behind me, but I've still got journey ahead of me. So guess what? If you're breathing, you are this person. Where you have days and journey and struggle and triumph and trial that are still yet to come. You've got things ahead of you, so you need to be filled up. And he says, how do I, as a person who's got journey ahead, stay pure? How do I stay the course? How do I make it for the long haul? So if you're a dad or you're a student or you're a new believer or you're an unbeliever, you're a Christian that's been a Christian for 50 years, if you're retired, if you're a teacher, if you're a friend, if you're a leader, doesn't matter who you are, the question that you and I and that we collectively need to be asking is this, I've got a long way ahead of me. So how do I stay the course? You've got to be asking this question because if you're not careful, you will get a remedy for now and you'll do what I did all throughout high school and college. And college is another story because I didn't have a lot of money and I'd put $3 in my tank. Anybody? Or you'd search for change. One time, one time I, I brought like 80 cents and I'm like, I just need to get through like this afternoon for my direct deposit to come in there, the, the person felt bad and she reached into the little change thing. She's like, let me round it up to like $1.40. I'm like, thank you so much. I can at least make it to tomorrow now. You know what I mean? Like, and, but we got to be asking, not, not do how do I make it through today? Like that's real and I understand it. And I, and I think it's valuable to ask that question. Like, how do I get through today? But the bigger question that we've got to be asking is, how do I get some roots that go so deep that though I can't anticipate every twist and turn, what I can be confident of is that I will be standing 50 years down the road. I will be. I will be. I'm not, I'm not going to say I hope to be. I know that I will be, not because of my own strength, but because I'm sending my roots down into the word of God. And what we've got to be asking is, what, what's it going to take for us to make it for the long haul and if we want to make it the long haul, how many of you want to make it for the long haul? Here's the first thing that you've got to do. Number one, for you to make it for the long haul, you've got to, get this, you've got to come under the authority of the, the word of God. You've got to come under the authority of scripture. Like this is not a, I think you should. This is a must. This is a yes or no. I am either doing it or I am not. But in order for us, like David understood, for us to make it long haul, we've got to come under God's word and the authority that comes with it. Here's what David prays. God, how do I keep my way pure? By keeping it according to your word. Keeping it according to your word. And what this means, in, it, it literally means conforming your life 
to God's word, not the other way around. Where I, I, I look at this book right here, and my job in life is to square up to this. And where I am a little bit wiggly, a little bit back and forth, I do not make this bend to me. I bend to it. Are you hearing me? Like, it's not popular anymore, but what I've got to do is if I want to make it long haul, I stop making the word of God bend to culture, and I start aligning culture up to the word of God, and where it's off, I push it in. I'm not going the other way around. I'm done letting culture define all of these things, whether it be sexuality or justice or anything about my future, it is not about that. In fact, I would argue that culture, I mean, that, sorry, that the word of God actually has a lot less and a lot more to say about what these things that we think that culture is defined. Like we're seeing these things all come up and we're saying the church has missed it. And yeah, oftentimes that is true. But the fact is, is that we don't begin from culture. We begin from scripture and where culture, where my life, where my plans, where my desires, where my struggles, where they don't line up, I don't bend this to it. I bend to it. Like, because the word, it doesn't bend. It, 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 is, it is lasting. It is consistent. And what Pastor Steve, he's talked about so many times where, where what we do is when we, when we have struggles or, or, or pains or trials or, or discouragement or uncertainty, what we do is we square up. Right? Do you remember that? Like we square up to the word of God. And where it's not in alignment, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, and you've seen this with trees, right? You ever seen those trees that they plant along the side of a road, like in a planter or whatever? And what they'll do is they will square it up to something while it's growing because the tendency on its own is to flop over or to grow in the wrong direction. So what they'll do is they'll plant stakes in it that go all the way up the length of the tree, and it anchors it on three sides. So what it does is when the tree tries to go, the anchors say, nah, -uh. you, you're supposed to go up this way. And what they do is they anchor it into where it is meant to go. And even though the tree feels in these moments some discomfort, as the wind comes, it rests in the fact that I've got stakes that are holding me in the right direction. And what we've got to do is we've got to come back under the authority of Scripture. Like, Scripture is my authority. And when I don't like it, I get to say, I'm going to get over it. Because I am not my own boss. And I'm thankful for it. Because I'm really bad at leading my own life. And I'm thankful that I can submit to a way and a thought that is higher than mine, that is deeper than mine. It is God's way. So we have got to come back under the authority of Scripture. Why? Because it helps you stay the path. And this is number two. Number two is this, stay the path and remember where it leads. Stay the path, remember where it leads. David continues and he says this, with all my heart, I've sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. And see, here's what happens, is we tend to wander when doubt creeps in and tells us that where we're headed isn't the right direction. Go back to the garden, right? If you've heard the, that story of, of Adam and Eve, and, and, and he plants seeds of doubt. Did God really, like, do you think that's really what God wants? Like, do you think that's really what God would, are you sure? Hey, 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 Adam, Eve, it's really the spirit of the law, right? Like, it's more like the principle of it. And what he's, what he's trying to do is he's trying to sow doubt. And you see it all the way up to when Jesus is led out to the wilderness. And he says, did God really say? 
Like, is that real? Like, hey, 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 why don't you step out? And what, is, what does Jesus do in this moment? He does what is different than what Adam and Eve did. He says, it is what? It is written. And he comes back to the authority of Scripture, and he reminds Satan in that moment, I know where I'm going. You've got to stay the path, but you've got to remember where it leads. And here's where we've gotten it mixed up. Some of you have come out of legalistic environments that are really toxic. And what it was, it was all rules with no vision for what the rules were meant to lead you to. And I'm not here to talk about the rules, and I'm not even here to reduce the authority of Scripture to rules. Here's what I am saying, is the authority of Scripture is meant to lead you down a path that leads you into the presence of God. And God's aim from the garden and still today is in giving you a pathway and giving you the authority of Scripture to submit yourself under is to get you back to a place of his presence. God is all about relationship. You've heard it said before. It's, it's, a, it's a big trope, right? It's like, it's not about rules. It's about relationship. And I'm here to say unequivocally that is so true. It is so true. It has nothing to do with rules. It has everything to do with God giving you a pathway to get back to his presence. God's aim is not to make you a bigger-headed person. God's aim is not to make you just a better human. God's aim is to get you back to himself. It's why he sent Jesus. He said, I'm not willing that you'd be separate from me. So I sent Jesus to give you a pathway so that as you follow it, you can come back to me because you're my son, you're my daughter, and I want you because I love you. So this is a path back to my presence. God's aim is not rules. God's aim is presence. God's aim is relationship. And we mistake this into thinking it's all about rules. No. It's about relationship. It's about getting back to God's presence. And see, David understood that following the way of God leads to a discovery of the presence of God. I'm going to invite the band to come forward as we get ready to close. So we need the authority of God. We need the presence of God. But third, We've got to fill up daily. Why? Because we need the word of God. We've got to fill up daily. Here's what David says here. He finishes with this. I have treasured. I've treasured your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. And that word I have treasured means to hide with intent. To store up for future use. To store up for future use. And here's what I know. I don't know. Like, I'm not a sage. Like, I can guess that the days that we have ahead are really great and really weird. And I have no idea where in the middle of that it's going to land. I don't. But here's what I do know. Times are going to come. And each and every one of us, in the good and bad, are going to reach into the depths of who we are. And guess what? When I get cut, I want to bleed God's word. When I get pressured, I want to exude God's word. When I am tired, I want to remind myself of God's truth. When I get discouraged, I'm going to pull out from the inside of me that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. When I'm tempted, when I'm, when I'm overwhelmed, when I'm afraid, all I've got to do is remember God's word. The other night, I don't know if you guys experienced it, but we, we lost power. 
and I remember the, the, the rain started coming. We were in our, in our room. It was about 11 o'clock at night, and it was like it was a normal night, and then all of a sudden it starts pounding. I look outside, and our umbrella's going like this, and it's going crazy, and I walked out, and, and I'm, I'm in my, my PJs, and, and I walk out, and I grab our Bluetooth speaker because we like our Bluetooth speaker. I didn't want it to get ruined. So I bring it in. I go out to grab the umbrella, and, like, lightning goes, like, big. And, and the umbrella goes, snap. And I'm like, I don't want to die. <laughs> so I went inside. I said, umbrella, I love you. Table, I love you. I hope you're okay in the morning. And they weren't. They weren't. They're dead. They're, they're gone. They're still in our backyard just there. But... I went back upstairs, and as I'm walking, like, I walk inside, I lock the door, set the alarm, and I start to walk upstairs, and as I'm midway through the stairs, the power goes out, and immediately Jude starts crying, because you ever been in a place where there's white noise silence, and then the white noise goes away, and you can hear the lack of noise? This is what happened. And Jude starts crying, and so from the middle of the stairs, I start calling out to him, Jude, I'm still here. Jude, 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 Jude. And I kept my voice at a constant until I got into the room. And I got into the room. I couldn't see, so I'm feeling around. And I, get, I said, Dad's here. And I started to sing over him, and I started to sing the word. That's all I did. And he calmed back to sleep. Dark days are coming. It's not a prediction. Bright days are coming. The best days for the church since we've been on the planet we're in them and they're coming. No question. It's just too obvious. Like revivals in the air, stirring. But it always comes in the midst of darkness. But the people who will remain standing next year and 50 years down the road are the same people. Who when pressure comes, they reach down on the inside. They pull out. When I'm tempted, I've hidden my word, hidden God's word in my heart that I might not sin against God. When I want to quit, I've hidden God's word in my heart that I might not give up and lose heart. When I'm tired, I remember that they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and will not faint. Pull out God's word. When I'm afraid, I know that throughout scripture, countless times, God says, stop being afraid. Be strong and courageous, for I fight my, your battles for you. When I feel like I'm not enough, I remember that when I am weak, then I am strong. Because it is not my power, it's God's power in me. When I feel like I don't, I, I don't know what's ahead, I know that God's word is a lamp unto my feet where I am now, and he's a light unto my path where I am going. So let me treasure you up for a second. Let me give you some treasure. It's going to be on the screen for you. I'm just going to give you a few. And my recommendation is that you'd memorize these and many more. In all things, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, Romans 8:37. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation, Psalm 118:14. There's no tempt temptation too great that God will not give me a way out, 1 Corinthians 10:13. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7. I have no fear because God goes with me. He'll never leave me, nor will he ever forsake me. Deuteronomy 31.6 and all throughout scripture. 
Though I walk through the valley of death's overwhelming shadow, I have the rod and staff of my good shepherd protecting me, Psalm 23. Even when I am weak, I am strong because the power of Christ dwells in me, 2 Corinthians 12.10. Bad news is loud, but my heart remains steadfast because my trust isn't in the news. Psalm 112.7. I keep my eyes on the Lord. I refuse to be shaken by the things of this world, Psalm 16.8. He who began a good work in me will complete it. Philippians 1.6. I can be full of courage because the Lord fights my battles. Hebrews 10, 25, I keep my eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of my faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down on the right hand of the throne of God, and I will consider him who endured opposition from sinful men, that I might not grow weary and lose heart. Hebrews 12, the path is discouraging, but I'm going to keep doing what is right, because in the end I will reap a harvest. If I do not give up, some of you have wanted to give up, do not give up, keep going. Don't quit on Jesus, he's not quitting on you. Don't quit on Jesus, he's not quitting on you. Don't quit on God, he is not quitting on you. When the enemy tries to accuse me, I will remind him of his future. I will remind him that I overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony, Revelation 12, 11. Though the righteous man falls seven times, seven times he gets back up because he's been made right in God. Proverbs 24, 16, Jesus Christ is the same today and forever. Same today, yesterday, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. 1 John 4, 4. Now, I could give you dozens and hundreds more. Here's the point. Is that you can run on fumes until you can't. Some of you found yourself running on fumes and or an empty tank for a long time and you lived vicariously through miniature fill-ups from other people. But God's call to you today is to stop making excuses and get into God's word, not because it's a demand, not because of legalism, but it's because you cannot live by bread alone, but by every word of the, that comes from the mouth of God. That's what you need. You need a rhema word, a word for today, a word for right now that sustains you for every single moment and the word that as you build for the long haul that you are building on the word. Through it all, as the Andre Crouch song, through it all, I have learned to depend, meaning I need the word of God. Dads, you need God's word. You cannot father your kids if you don't have God's word. Moms, you need God's word. You cannot be the mom that you know you're called to be without it. Business owner, I don't care what you are. You cannot do it without the word of God on the inside of you. And I don't know if you're like me. You, I grew up in church, grew up in youth group, and I would hear these two different narratives. I'd hear one that says, gotta be in the word, gotta be in the word. And I'd hear this kind of like, this nebulous saying like, we're supposed to be in the word and I'm, I feel guilty because I never got in the word. Like ever, never. But then we'd come to the other side and we'd hear, gotta be in the word, but it's not about every day. It's not about legalism. And I'd hear this back door all the time. And here's what I wanna do is I wanna, I wanna get rid of those two narratives. And I wanna tell you how important it is that you get in the word of God every day. Like, I'm not going to qualify that statement. If you're a believer in Jesus, the days of, of, of living vicariously through, through somebody else's revelation are gone. 
you must get into the word of God. And here's what you don't do. You don't wake up on a Tuesday having forgotten Monday and say, oh, shame on me for missing. What you do wake up and you say, God, today I need your word. Today I need your word. Get into it daily. Treasure the word of God up in your heart. Why? Because opportunities for sin are coming. But can I tell you what else is coming? Opportunities for the world that every time their system fails, they're going to be looking to what is working. And it always has been, and it always will be, the narrow way, the only way that leads to life. There is no other God. There is no other way. It's Jesus, and that's it. It's Christ, him crucified and resurrected. It is the word of God that you can depend on. There is no other word. There is no other path. There is no other way. And I'm not going to bounce around and try and give you qualifying statements. That's it. You need it. You need it. And not out of legalism, friends, but out of a desire that God would get you back to his presence where you belong because he loves you so much. That every time you fail, this is the beautiful thing about it, that every time you fail, you remember that when I am weak, then I am strong. That there's nothing, no angel, no demon, no depth or life or death or angels or demons, no, no height nor depth can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That when I was dead in my sin, God made me alive in Christ. And what am I doing? I'm not, I'm not here to preach legalism. I'm here to preach the importance the invitation into hiding the word in your heart that the world may know the goodness and the truth that Jesus is the way that's it we don't need your big head <laughs> I, I have a large head um, <laughs> I do someone gave me a hat recently it didn't fit that has nothing to do with anything I'm going to close we don't need your knowledge. But what you do need is that when push comes to shove and when you want to quit on your future, when you want to give up, that you reach in. I got a word. I'm not going to grow weary. I'm not going to lose heart. I keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. He authored my story and he finished it. Keep my eyes on Jesus. Would you stand all over this room? I think this is a time not in condemnation, but in repentance and a confession of what is important. That it's time to resync the roots. Down in there's a parable in the New Testament. I didn't preach on it this morning. But an owner of a vineyard comes and he says, Get this fig tree out of here. I've been coming back for three years and it's not producing fruit. But the manager, and they, I don't have time to go into it, but the manager says, Hey, yo, I really like that tree. Give me another year. I'm gonna fertilize it, I'm gonna water, I'm gonna dig around the roots, I'm gonna make sure that this, this thing is sustainable. Come back next year. And if then you don't see fruit, then you can do whatever you want. But here's the thing. 
I think there's some of us that as God has come to our lives, he's saying, look, there's a tree that's not bearing fruit. But what Jesus comes, he comes into the picture and he says, yo, Taylor, I'm not done with him yet. So God, give me another year. What it's prophetically saying to you is you may have missed the boat, but it is not too late for you to start to dig your roots down into the word of God and say that that is the thing that matters most and start building your life upon God's word and watch what happens a year from now. Amen. Would you lift your hands all over the room? We're going to sing great are you Lord. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise and what we're doing is as we're as we're worshiping, we're solidifying the seeds that were planted. We're allowing it to deep down inside of us that we might be the people that a year from now, that 10 years from now, that 50 years from now, that when the world is dark, that they would look to the church and they'd look to the believer and say, I have a picture of where to go. My word, my way didn't work, but I got a new path to follow. It's the way of Jesus. So as we worship, we're worshiping God and we're reminding ourselves that he is the only way. He's the way. He's the truth. And he is the life. Come on, can we worship him with all that we've got and bring him the praise that he's worthy of?